Father, this morning we just come to you. We have the joy of the Lord, Lord. We have your joy. Joy the world did not give us, the world cannot take it from us. The world can do whatever it wants. But we know our God reigns. We know the end of the story. The Lamb is enthroned forever and ever. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So we come to the ministry of your word. It's your word. The word of your son. I pray, Lord, your spirit will anoint every one of us to hear. Every one of us to hear what you have to say, Lord. Speak to us this morning. Touch us, Lord. Touch us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Maybe we need to shut these doors and uh, and that windows till that wedding party passes by. It's a reminder we are preparing, getting ready for the biggest wedding of all. The wedding of the Lamb of God. Wedding of the only lambs are invited. No goats, please. Goats will be served at the table. <laughs> are we ready? This side is okay. This side is okay. Okay? Let's look to the word. <clears throat> First, let's go back to our promise so that we keep looking at. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, which means don't spare any effort to do the things of God. Give it your all. 101%. Give it your all. Okay? Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall. The promise. You shall. Expand to the right and to the left. Your dissonance will inherit the nations. Meaning for many of you, your prayer has been for year after year. Salvation of unsaved loved ones. Many of you live in homes which are Gentile cities. Homes ruled, controlled by unbelieving family, parents. Believe you will occupy that house. Faith will occupy that house. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. They are your descendants. Meaning, you may be 10 years old or 20 years old, but if you bring your father or mother to the Lord, you birth them in the spirit. That is why the little baby is the everlasting father, because he birthed all of us. Believe. Believe for big things. The biggest thing is salvation. There's nothing bigger in life than that. Okay, so let's go to the next text. Did I give you verse 2? Verse 1? Yes, verse 1 is this. If you believe in 2 and 3, if you believe, not because you see, because you believe, this is your response. Everything in the Bible has a corresponding response in the material, physical world. What you are believing is in the spiritual world. It has to come to the physical world one day. It will happen one day. But if you believe, what is your response? Your response is this. You rejoice. What are you now? Barren. I see nothing. <laughs> I looked at the promise. I mean, I'm, I already started seeing the promise unfolding like boom in the first 10 days. Okay. But 
because I have to look at my life. I have to look, I've been called to expand the kingdom of God. Okay, not my size, weight, nothing. Okay, the kingdom of God. <laughs> my weight is going down. My size is getting smaller. But the kingdom of God has to expand. Okay, so you have to look at it that. So, if you believe what God has said, you have to, each one has to look. It's a big picture for everyone. And then there's a smaller picture which is specific to you. And you need to sing more. Sing more. Honestly, make it a choice. Especially when you are alone. Because when you are alone and you sing, it's real. It's genuine. Because you have no audience. Because if you have an audience and you're a good singer, they will allow you to sing. But if you have an audience or a bad singer, they will say, shut up. But God will never say, shut up to worship. When you are alone. He says, I've been looking for that. Okay? So now let's turn to Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. Meaning don't fall asleep. We're not talking about a physical sleep. We're talking about death as a sleep. Death in the new covenant is sleep. Okay, You know when you sleep, when you sleep, you're Subconscious, subconscious mind is still working. You're not dead. Your conscious mind has gone to sleep. The other side is meaning death in the new covenant is like sleep. Here you're gone. You have appeared some, some other place. Okay? Just like sleep. Let's leave the rest. So there is David. And this is his final, final eology. From God. This is scripture. It's not man saying. Maybe Luke wrote it, but that's not the point. God wrote it through Luke. This should be our, this is the testimony of God about a man. Why I like people like preaching about people like Jacob and, uh, and David is because these are people who goofed up. Okay? And we all belong to that group where we all goofed up. See, Joseph troubles us. Daniel troubles us. <laughs> These are not goofies. They were steady all the way. Samuel is even more khatarnak. From my baby, all the way to his last, last words are like, does anybody have see any fault in me? Everybody says no. Hmm? They, are, they are scary people. But these brethren give us a lot of comfort. The fact is that Learn from their mistakes. And they finish their race well. That's the most important part. The most important part of life is you have to finish well. Finish well. It's important that you finish well. So there is something written in this one line. And I will divide it into three portions. One, David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. First thing, David served God. Two, David served his generation. Three, he served his generation according to the will of God. That should be the three points. Am I serving my generation? Am I serving God? Because I can serve God in my own will. Two, am I serving my generation in my own way? Am I serving God? And am I serving my generation according to the will of God? That's the key. Okay? Because many will come and say, Lord, I served you. Lord, Lord, I served you, I served you, I served you, I served you. All great works. Jesus says, I do not even know you. The reason, 
you did not do the will of my father. So it is not service. So very carefully, please remember, very carefully, you have to look at it. It's not what we do. It's what we do, how we do, for whom we do. That's the most important. I didn't give you, but if you go to verse 22, that's exactly before he's even known by anybody. Nobody has any clue this boy is around. I don't even know whether he's born. (laughs) But I guess he's born. And when he had removed him, he raised for them David as the king, to whom also he, God, gave a testimony. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. That's the key. He found a man. And that's what he's looking for. Okay? So there are some people in the Bible, brave people in the Bible, who just suddenly burst into the scene. Suddenly burst into the scene. One is Joseph. Joseph suddenly comes into the scene. This is the history of Jacob and Joseph. He just pops into the scene. I mean, he just, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven suddenly comes into the picture. All the others are skipped. Then there is Joshua. Suddenly, in the middle of the Moses referred him, Amalekites attacked. Moses tells Joshua, take some men and fight. Suddenly, Israel is going to fight their first battle. You see a name popping up. Where did this guy come from? Where did this guy come from? Where was he all this time? In the same way, David Pops up suddenly into the picture. Elijah, the Tishbite, suddenly standing before the give and giving it. Right? Elisha, nobody has clue about this boy at all. His father is a farmer. And suddenly on Mount Hareb, go back the way you came, and Elisha, the son of Shabbat. Oh, where did this guy come from? Even that guy has no clue, he's already been picked. David has no clue, he has been picked. Joshua has no clue, he has been picked. None of these people had any clue they were picked. They were all unseen. But only seen by God. Second Chronicles 69, keep that. Write it in the tablet of your heart. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Nobody may see you. Nobody. But remember, there is one eye roving back and forth, back and forth, even today in this church. Back and forth, looking for one person whose heart is absolutely, totally stayed on him. One person. God is always looking for someone. So understand fundamental principles of the kingdom of God. That's why I keep telling young people, bring your Bible, bring your diary, bring your pen. First you may not understand, but you do it and after some time you are actually serious and you don't realize God sees. God sees. We are more particular about command, thou shall. It's not like that. We, We listen very carefully. Sometimes God just makes a casual statement through the mouth of a man or a woman. Why don't you do this? That's all. And we ignore because it sounds so simple. That's simple. It's not even a command. 
So understand fundamental principles of the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33, we all know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put the kingdom first. Kingdom first. I have kingdom ears. What is he saying to me today? Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about man. Because all these people, men did not see them. But God did. So don't worry about man. In Psalm 75 and verse 6, scripture says, Exaltation comes neither from the east nor the west, nor from the south. It comes from God. It does not come from east, west, south. No, it is not a news channel. I was telling the pastors yesterday. This is original news. Oh, I didn't even take my Bible out. I'm sorry. I apologize. Fifteen books in that bag. This is news. Current news. The past, the present and the future. Predicted 100% correct. No fact checking. Truth. Even if facts don't agree, it is still true. It will prove itself. Read this. So exaltation doesn't come from east, west, north, south. It comes from above. That is one direction Moses at 40 forgot to look. He looked to the left, he looked to the right, he did not look up. And he covered the dead body with sand. But time has a way of blowing off the sand. The winds of time blew and revealed his action. So in Acts 13 and verse 22, you will see something taking place. When he had removed him. So somebody is removed, demoted. He had exalted himself. The people had exalted him. But God removed him. And he raised up. So remember, God will remove some people. And God will lift some people. Be very careful about it. So our entire heart should be said, Lord, let me be that person about whom it is written, God, not that God removed, but God lifted up. We don't want to be removed. I'm not talking about salvation. We are not talking about salvation here. Ephesians 1.3 Can we be seated over there, young men? Everything okay? Yeah. Don't move once the word starts unless it is an ICU case. You distract others. You have to love your neighbor. You may not be interested, but by your moving, you distract the others who are listening. And you distract me because I did not start behind a pulpit. I started behind a lectern classroom. I wouldn't let my children blink. I was not tough like him. I was very gentle. Very gentle. But and my students were older than me. When I started teaching, I was your age. Some of my students were older than me. They used to sit like this. That's when I started trusting on the anointing to teach literature to a classroom and say, Lord, help me. I need to get these guys in control. They were, they were, what they call it, they were, they were not rude. They were hostile. They try out every new teacher. No? And they look at this, I was even smaller than this. And I had a real battle. And I used to go back to God and say, Lord, you need to help me. You need to help me. And the worst period in a school, 
classroom is afternoon after lunch. Somebody is angry. Everybody is full. They have played like crazy. Come to the classroom and it is Shakespeare. And I said, Lord. And the problem is all the big guys are sleeping. And if you try to wake one of them, they will stare at you like this. I said, Lord, have mercy, Lord. I can't allow this to continue. You need to help me. You know what happened? That I can still remember it vividly. This was in the year 1989. Many of you were not even an idea. Forget being born. And I was looking. The few girls in the front, they were all watching. All the boys were sleeping. So, Lord, I want to trust you. I shut my book. And I stood there and taught Shakespeare under the anointing. And I saw eyes popping up. Pop, 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 pop. And they started sitting up. Okay. I didn't need a text. I needed God. And God did. Okay. So, please remember to young people, anointing works everywhere, not just behind a pulpit. Everywhere. Trust God. Lean on Him. You will know how it, how He works. So one is demoted. The other is promoted. So the promise of 2021 is still there. It still stands. Ten days down into the line. It still stands. The question is, will you believe? In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So please don't say, Lord, you did not give me this. God says, everything you need is already given. There. You have to believe. You have to walk. You have to wait. It will come to pass. But don't stop. Everything. Meaning you are in line to be a king. You are in line to be a king. David has no clue. Absolutely no clue. His mother has no clue. No prophecy, nothing. Nobody has been given any prophecy about this boy. Nobody. Father doesn't know, mother doesn't know, brothers doesn't know, prophet doesn't know. And he is the greatest prophet Israel has ever seen. Nobody has any clue, but he's online for the throne. So is everyone sitting here who is saved. You have been blessed with every blessing in the spiritual realm so that you can overcome in the physical realm as Jesus overcame here to reign with him in eternity. Everybody sitting here, your heads look bare, but you are uncrowned kings and queens if you believe and finish your race well. So the question is, it's there. But the question is, how do I get it down into my life? People think it is random. No, it is never random with God. God is not whimsical. He is no respecter of persons. Not a respecter of persons at all. God does not play favorites. Terah had three sons. One was chosen. Two were not. Abraham had eight sons. One was chosen. Seven were not. Isaac had two sons. One was chosen. The other was not. Jacob had twelve sons. One was chosen. The other eleven were not. Jesse had eight sons. One was chosen. Seven were not. And all the choices were not random or whimsical. God has absolute solid reasons behind every choice. So if we know how God chooses, we can fall in line for a crown one day.
There will be more crackers the day you are crowned. It won't be crackers like it will be meteors and shooting stars all over the universe when. Because scripture says the all of creation, all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Includes daughters also. Okay, Groaning, waiting. It will be like the firework the world has never ever seen. All of universe celebrating. Okay? So anyone can be that one. Anyone can be that one. Most want to be chosen by man. Very few want to be chosen by God. Almost all our efforts, including this morning's before the mirror all, was to be chosen by man and woman. Very few people woke up early and spent time before God to be chosen by God. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit, with power, and he went about doing good and healing all. He was chosen. Nobody had any clue. Absolutely no clue. The ones who prophesied when he was 40 days old are dead. Those who heard the prophecies forgot. The mother herself forgot. And the father is no longer in the picture. Nobody had any clue. Until he went down into the water, the Holy Spirit came. Oh, this is the one. Nobody had any clue. What do we know about Jesus' life till 30? Nothing. Unseen from the eyes of man. Seen by the eyes of God. So God is searching. The eyes of the Lord are roving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. His camera vision is like, boom, captures everything. Okay. So what do I need to wear a crown? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Mean trials, testing, everything that you, if you're a child of God, everything you're going through is a test. Not to fail you, not to demote you, but to promote you. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I think I made a mistake of keeping those small chairs for the children. You can't blame them. I made the mistake. Because <laughs> they will push it around. Okay? I was thinking as a father, but I forgot they are children. <laughs> no, I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming me. Okay? Can you be proved? Can he be approved? If he can be approved, he will receive a crown. Crowns just don't come like that. You have to be approved. You have to be proven by God. That's the race we are running. Okay. It's a race we are running. You have to be approved by God. So God allows trials and testings and temptations and all on the way. And when you fail, don't lie there. Get up and continue the race. Go back to God. You confess. It's clean. Shit is clean. That page is torn away from your book. And you still all there is there. And you continue. This is not Old Testament. This is New Covenant. We are sons and daughters. Okay? Don't think like Israel. So what is that I have to do to be approved? To be chosen one day? Because many are called. Everybody sitting here is called. Not chosen yet. Chosen, not even me, not chosen yet. I'm in ministry, I'm not chosen to reign in heaven, I've not been chosen. Okay, that is a choosing. First principle. Zachariah chapter 4 and verse 10. 
Who has despised the day of small things? Do not despise small things. The plumb line, for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. That's why I keep telling you, have an eye for detail. First thing I notice is today everything is in place. The curtains are in place. What does it mean? God's eyes are back and forth over your life and he looks at those small things in your life. Have an eye for detail. Small things matter. Matters to God. Do not despise small things. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise small people. Small things, small beginnings, small people. Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Can I go to NIV? Associate. Don't exalt. Think about big things. I will only fellowship with Prime Minister Modi. The two beneath him. Problem, he doesn't fellowship with anybody. Do not set your mind on high things. Yeah, this is N- NKJV, right? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But associate, this is NIV? No. Yeah, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Careful. We all want to associate with people of our stature or higher. Never below. God says, be careful. You need to have the heart of my God. He is always associating with people who are much below him. Far below him. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise, overlook small things. Never look small people. Be careful. Be very, very careful. The Samaritan woman was a small person, woman with low position, even in her own. As such Samaritans, the Jews don't associate because they are mixed breed. They don't even talk to them. They don't even go through their towns. And the Samaritans don't associate with the Samaritan. So how low can you go? Jesus went and waited for her, had a conversation with her, brought her to the Lord. Do you know the end result of it? One small person he associated with. Scripture says, many in the town believed in him because of her testimony. They told him, please stay back for a couple of days. And many more believed in him because of his word. Let us say, thousand people got saved because he associated with a small person. Small. You know why people don't get saved? Because believers don't associate themselves with small people. Small people. It is the small people who actually do the work of God. Not the big people. Small people. But we despise them. God says, be very careful. Be very, very careful. Okay? Small beginnings. Small things. Small people. Small beginning. I just, I may just tell somebody, why don't you come early and just put the chairs in place? That's all. Why don't you? I didn't say, do it. Why do I always say, why don't you? Very rarely do I say, do it. Why don't you? 
It's a very small beginning. Very small beginning. You despised it. On the other hand, if I said, why don't you join the worship team? Ready. Then it's practice. Immediately want to time, location, everything you want to know. Because you know, that's not a small thing, that's a big thing. And people have despised small things through their lives. And they don't realize, when is my day coming? Because this is not man. Man looks for talent. God doesn't look for talent. He can give any talent you want. If you have doubts, that's why I preach. I could never speak to anybody, not even English properly. No language. I was a boy, grew up with no language, no command over any language. <clears throat> that's why God keeps me humble. Once in a while, I check my messages and I still find I made grammar mistakes. Though I taught English. See, my wife says. <laughs> she knows. My pronunciation goes out of the window sometimes and she says, that is not how I said, I know. That is not the way, because that is the way I grew up. Meaning, I was not even a one-talent man. Okay, so please remember, small things matter to God. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Oh, no, no, Luke 16, verse 10 and 12. Luke 16. He who is faithful in what is least. What is least in your life? What do you think small, what is the smallest thing you can think of? Each one according to your situation. Just think about it. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust through riches? Verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? I wish you could put all three verses together. Three things in this particular verse. One. Be very, very careful to be faithful in small things. I don't know who will say it to you. It's maybe your father, your mother when you are small, or your teacher, but somebody who has authority over you, wherever you are. It's maybe a very small thing. Be very, very careful to note that small thing. Be faithful in it. Very, very faithful how you do. Meaning you should be very diligent. Very diligent how you do the small things. Very diligent how you do the small things. Be very careful. Because it's not the person who told you. It's the eye above is watching how you are doing the small thing. Very, very careful. Second thing. In God's sight, the smallest thing is money. In the eyes of the world, the biggest thing is money. But in his eyes, the smallest thing is money. And he says, I want to see how you handle money. He says, I watch every person. How they handle money. How I have. Because that's the smallest. Smallest. Third thing. If you have not been faithful in what is another man's. God watches how you handle something that belongs to somebody. Let us say Samir. Kessity. Oh, oh, Hannah over here. Two IT professionals. Okay, now it is working from home. But still. Let us say you clock in at 9 and what you call log out at 5. 9 to 5 is not your time. It's another man's time. God watches. Just talking about time. 
Now why this is important? First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Uh-oh. Uh, you are not of your own. You are bought. Yeah? Six, yeah. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. First thing you need to realize is that you are not your own. Either body or spirit. Are you faithful with something that is not your own? Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. He bought you. He created you, redeemed you. It's not yours. Your spirit is not yours. Your mind is not yours. Nothing you carry around is yours. It is his. And God says, are you faithful with something that belongs to somebody else? This is the test we are on. We are not talking about being perfect. That someday later. We are talking about walking blameless before God. Learning, learning, correcting, learning, correcting, but moving towards that point where God can say, okay, you are ready to be chosen now. I can trust you. I can trust you. Trust is earned over a period of time. Over a period of time. Please don't ever misunderstand that God loves all of us sitting here. He doesn't trust most of us. Even Jesus was very clear. He wouldn't commit himself into any man's hand. He says, I love you. I came to, I love you so much. I came to die for you and take you all home. But you know what? I don't trust any one of you. <laughs> not even his disciples until his last day. Last day he said, now I will not talk to you as friends, servants. I will speak to you as friends because finally I can trust you. Or rather, I have no choice. I have to go in a couple of days time. So you are the only ones I have left. <laughs> Let me trust you anyway. <laughs> or rather, I trust in the one who will come in another 50 days. He will take care of you. Okay, so please remember, I would put it, I'm not teaching on that, I would put it for children to understand <coughs> easily. All of us have been given three T's, T, time, talent, and treasure. Common to everyone, very, time is the only thing that is common, everybody is given 24. Talent may vary, treasure may vary, but God says, I'll see how we use it. What we read about David is, David used all three to serve God in his generation according to the will of God. When he finished, he did it. It didn't happen in one day. It was a process of being trained to do it. So the principle of first mention is important, okay? That's how you learn, okay? The first time, first question God asks, where are you? Where are you? First mention. First Samuel 16, 10 and 11. 16, 10. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen this. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Principle of first mention. Jesse has eight sons. Seven are at home. One is missing. Where is he? He's working. He's working. Don't you remember? First time you hear about David, he's at his post. Whatever the post was. Uh, we can only think, rack our brains. Why didn't Jesse call him? We don't know why didn't he call him. Maybe the father didn't even consider him worth calling. Mother didn't tell dad, why don't you call the youngest one? The brothers didn't say, what about David? Nobody bothered. 
Bible does not say how many days Samuel was there. We are not very sure. Jesse's three sons are in the army. Whether in the army when Samuel came, did the father send people to call them home? We don't know entire background. One thing we know, David wasn't there. But David was somewhere. What was he there? Where is he? He is keeping sheep. Principle of first mention. Are you faithful in small things? Sheep is a very small thing. It's not a big thing. When the prophet is in the town, why should I take care of sheep? When the biggest day in my house, why should? Because daddy said, you go take care of sheep. Maybe he's been there days. Nobody even called him. (laughs) Principle of fuss mentioned. Be very, very careful. Be very careful. Seven at home, one at work. When the day that God chooses you, will you be found faithful at your post? It doesn't come overnight. It's a practice. It is a discipline. It doesn't come overnight. Don't think, okay, today I will go to church and the anointing will fall. God says, no. You go week after week after week after before time. You worship. You pray. You listen to the word. You take your notes. And one day when I come, I will say, that was the only one who was faithful all these months and weeks. Faithful every week. Let it fall on him. What is God looking for? God is looking for a person who is disciplined. And will obey and be faithful in these small things. Does that mean you are not called? Of course. Does that mean you are not saved? Yes. You are called, you are saved. But are you chosen? No. Simply because you disqualified yourself or I disqualified myself. We are not talking about salvation here, so don't get up uptight. Genesis 37, 2, principle of first mention. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. In this context, all of them are working. All of them are working. All of them are at their post. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wife, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. All of you are at the same post, imagine. All of you are at the same post, but are you zealous for the name of God at your post? Let us say, 11 of them were there, 10 of them were not zealous for the father's name, but one was. And God said, that's the guy I picked. So it is not enough that you are found at your post working, but you never forget who are you working for. David served his generation according to the will of God. He knew who he was serving. Joseph knew who he was serving. It's my father's sheep. We are all sons. We are all serving the fathers at the father's work. But my father's name is also important, equally important. Hallowed be thy name. Exodus 17, verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, where did this guy come from? Moses, Joshua. Joshua is right. Joshua has no clue he has been chosen. Because the fact that he has been chosen will be revealed only 38 years later. He has no clue he has been chosen. He is going to be revealed as the chosen Years. Can you, can you, can you think about it? You hear something today and you obey and you continue obedience and you're going to be chosen only 30 years from now? Is it worth battling for? That's what God says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do you know what the kingdom of God is? Do you know the glory of that kingdom? Do you know it's forever and ever? He says, do you know how people run here for a crown that is for a 
doesn't even last a lifetime. That's what Paul says in Corinthians 9. You don't know what it is like? Imperishable crown. How much people put their effort, MSET practice, all that. How much people do IIT coaching and IAS coaching and every, all these WhatsApp videos are all on people trying their best for something on heaven and then retire and sit in the easy chair like this. God says, I'm offering you something is forever and ever. No retirement, no tiredness, no death, no sleep, no slumber. You are new, glorious body. You know what you're running for? That's why you have to have the big picture, what we are running for. Second Kings 1990. Therefore, oh, first Kings, first Kings, first Kings, sorry, not second, first Kings 1990. So he departed from there and from Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing, plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Let us presume, it doesn't say anywhere there, let us presume Shaphat had twelve sons. This is the twelfth one. Let us presume. This boy has no clue. Elijah doesn't even know who he is. Nobody has any clue. But God has been watching this boy. God has been watching this boy. Nobody has any clue. Nobody has even any clue that this guy is going to be the greatest in the line of prophets who will one day have double the portion of the spirit that was upon Elijah. Nobody has any clue. What is he doing? God is watching. God is watching. God is watching. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, looking for somebody whose heart is stayed on him. Even when you are plowing, you do not know right that this guy's heart is stayed on God. What God has, he has learned about God. Whatever he has learned about God, he's putting it into practice. Putting it into practice. And I believe if you had been there between the twelfth yoke of oxen, you would have seen his lines were straight. He was a mathematician. Because the pharaohs have to be straight. And he probably started early in the morning. Go works till late in the night. He's not a kamzor. Doesn't complain. You're getting nothing out of it because this is your father's field. What am I getting out of it? Nothing. Just work. You'll get a good meal when you come back home. If your mother remember to cook. Are you getting the picture? We're running for something that is so big. So big that eyes haven't seen or ears imagined what God is preparing. Something that is so big will last forever and ever. Acts 9 verse 11. The Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold he is praying. It's small thing. What is he doing? Pray. How many of you think praying is a big thing? Which we thought it was a big thing, everybody would be praying, the church would be full of anointing. You all think it's a small thing, that's why nobody prays. Do you know how many people have gone before him already? Jerusalem and the whole area is full of believers who have been in the Lord for years and years and years and all. And God goes past all of them and picks this man who just come to the Lord three days ago. And who has been persecuting Christians. Just skips over the entire line and picks this man and says, you know what? I already see this will be my greatest apostle ever. That's just faithful in a very small thing. Absolutely small thing. 
Because for most people, prayer is a small thing. It's not a big thing. But it's a big thing for God. That's what God is talking about. Anointing is given to serve. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Anointing is given what? All these people are being anointed. You need to understand all of them being anointed. Right? Being anointed. When Joseph got his robe, he was anointed. We need to understand the meaning of that robe he got from his father. You are chosen. You are chosen. When Elisha got, he put his mantle over Elisha. Elisha has no clue. He's been chosen. He's, he's been chosen. When Moses said, Joshua, he must have heard from God. Joshua, take a mind and fight. He does not realize he has been already been chosen to be the savior of Israel who will possess the land. He has no clue. But God has seen. So the anointing is given to serve. Can put it away the other way also. Those who serve are anointed. Anointing is not for display. Anointing is for serving. And those who serve will one day definitely be anointed. Those who have served without anointing will one day definitely be anointed to be served. But God does not waste his anointing. God saw how David was serving in his father's house, so he anointed him so that he could serve even more in his strength now. Because what you can do in your own strength, when you are faithful to that, God will give you the anointing to do what you cannot do in your strength. Faithful, faithful in small things. Luke chapter 12, 35 to 38. Let your ways be girded, your lamps burning. And you yourself be like men who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. 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 Are you? Can you? Immediately. I remember all those days when that giant sitting there at the back was just... That's the giant, that's a giant sitting at the back. He's very small, three years, four years old. And I used to come back late from ministry. Late. Eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock. And I got my spare key. I turned the lock. One sound. Just one sound. Papu has come. And he's sitting there. Will you? Here? You want here? Immediately. And blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. You have no clue when he will come. Look at that. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself, have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. He says, if you serve me like that today, be very sure a day is coming when God will serve you. Well done, well done, well done, well done. Here, take that of this, take that. And here is the anointing and the power and the endurance to go with you. Yo, Gabriel, uh, send 20,000 angels with him to do his work. He will lead them. That's why scripture says, angels, we will judge them, meaning rule over them. Now they minister to us because we they, they know we are royalty. They are following us 24-7. We have more secret service protection than President Trump because we are God's children. We are God's children. We have power. Always unseen covered because they know once you're born again whose you are. That's why Elisha was not even bothered. Oh, more with us than they are against us. Okay. And verse 38. 
And if you should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are these servants. Midnight, two in the morning, he comes. Are you watchful? Are you watchful? Do you know? Like I was telling the pastors yesterday, if he comes by before 12 o'clock, are you ready? Are you, no, 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 let me repent, 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 please, 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 five minutes, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. Are you ready to go? Accounts clear, ready to go. That's what he means. Absolutely clear. Made everything right with God before I went to sleep. You come in my sleep, I'm ready. I don't know why you'll come at two when I'm sleeping. Or you come at three when I'm sleeping. But you know what, when I went to sleep, account was clear. So I'm ready. I'm not sitting with my eyes open. I have my eyes of my spirit sees. You are ready, you're clean, you can go. That is the watchfulness he's talking about. One, the spiritual preparation in and the work of our hands. Are we ready? It's a simple thing. It's not a difficult thing. Because nobody knows when he will come. Question is, when he comes, will you be ready? Will you be found faithful in little things? Will you be faithful in little things? And what is the least little thing? In a God's eyes? Money. 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 I forgot the habit of putting a wallet on because of the lockdown. Lockdown, nobody was going out. And then the first day went out, I was saying, something is wrong. <laughs> Doesn't feel like all days. What is it? Wallet. Can you be faithful with money? You know what it means? Can you do God's work? Give the best with the least expense. Are you a good steward? If you, if for a um, hundred rupees job, if you're given ten thousand rupees, anybody will do a good job. Excellent job. That is not what God is talking about. God is an unbelievable steward of his resources. Not that he has any lack over there. But he's a steward. That's why Jesus, after feeding five thousand plus people, he said, pick up the fragments. Take it up. Don't waste. And God is always watching those who deplete his resources. And he says, you can't be trusted. If you cannot be trusted with money, I cannot trust you with anything. You know why people wander in the kingdom of God after being called? is because they are not faithful with money. How they spent money. They waste us. God doesn't like waste in his kingdom. Doesn't like waste in the kingdom. I'm not saying that you should be a miser too. No, I'm not talking about that. You want to waste on somebody like Mary? Waste it on the Lord. But you don't waste on yourself. You are very, very careful how you handle resources. Very, very careful how you handle resources. That is for another day. God is watching over little things. What is God watching over? All the little people. If you are little in your own eyes, otherwise little in age. We are tempted to push others away, but God's arms are wide open. We are tempted to push others away, but God's eyes are wide open. All the young people, look at me. Jesus, all look at me, Jesus. Do you remember that line? Do you remember that line? Today's daily reading on daily bread. Were you faithful? I just gave you a small thing to do. Please, gave you the book. Got it all free. Pastors got it yesterday. You got it before that. So just 
How many lines are there? 10 lines? 12 lines? One verse, Acts 10, 34 to 36. Three verses and this. And the end of it is this. Did you read? Simple question I'm asking. Did you read? Jyoti said she did. She knew where it was from. Did you read? I'm not saying you didn't. I'm asking yourself. You don't have to give me an answer because I'm not the one you answer. You answer to somebody as much higher than me. Far above my pay grade. But the simple question, you were given something and asked to do, it takes you five minutes of 24 hours. And you were not faithful now. When you have all the time and the energy in the world, when you're not faithful with that now, you think you'll be, you will get this discipline in your life? Think about it. It's not difficult. All of you know how to read. And all the others who have it. I'm not talking specifically this for the others. You may have your own daily readings or whatever pattern. Think. This is where, that's what it is. Always a slip between the cup and the lip. It is so close. Yet so far. The word that can save you is so close to you. In your heart, in your mouth. But it slips away. And the regret you will see in eternity. Oh. It's like Sachin getting out at 99. Do you know how many times he's got out in 90s? Imagine if he had completed century, what his record would be. As such, nobody has broken his record. Lord, this is eternity. Not in Limka's book of records. First Samuel 16, 7. Did I give you? I'm sorry. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. I have refused him. Samuel doesn't know this dude. He's a tall, handsome guy. Eliab, Shama, Abdinadab, all of them. Because I have refused him. Why did you refuse him? Why did you refuse him? Lord, why did you refuse him? He looks good. Good to be a king. Just like Saul. Tall, handsome, soldier, broad shoulders, six pack. Why did you refuse him? Answer is in the second part. For God does not look, does not see as man sees. God does not see as man sees. Remember, he does not see as we see. Second thing, man looks at the outward appearance. God Looks at the heart. Nobody sees the heart except God. And the heart is revealed by consistent action. Faithfulness in little things. The heart is revealed. Though he's acclaimed, though he's a soldier, though he serves the king, God says he can't serve me. He can serve a king or not. He cannot serve the king in heaven. He's been refused. He's been refused. Something wrong with my heart, Lord? If you look at David's Psalms and his prayers and all, you'll always ask God, check my heart, Lord, check my heart, Lord, check if anything. He wanted a transparent heart. Lord, check my heart, Lord, check my heart, undivided heart, united heart, check my heart, Lord, if anything hidden in my heart, which I do not know. God says, you know, that's the guy I like. He knows. I'm a cardiologist. He knows. We think he's a brain surgeon. Lord, check my mind. Check. God says, I check your heart. 
First thing is your heart, not your mind. First Samuel 16, 12 and 13. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Seven are refused, one is chosen. And nobody has no clue why he is chosen. <laughs> nobody has any clue. But we know from what God has said. He doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the inside. So he saw something inside David that made the mantle fall on him. Psalm 78, verse 70, 71. He also chose his servant, David his servant. What does he call him? David his servant. David is his servant. But let me ask you this question. Was David serving his father or God? Serving God. He's serving God. Though his father is the beneficiary of his service, he was serving God. Because only when you are serving God, you are faithful in small things. Because your father is not going to watch what you are doing. David, my servant, where did he? He took him from the sheepfolds. Look at this. Following the eaves that had young, he brought to him to shepherd Jacob, his his people and Israel, his inheritance. I was talking to the pastors. It's not the same message. Some portions may be similar, but I was telling them. Here is a young boy, a teenage boy. What is his job? Take care of his father's sheep. And among the sheep are these eaves, the female ones. Big, carry. Eaves that had young. Those who were carry. And those who had their kids. And when you are a shepherd, if you are a young boy, what is the one thing you want to do? Hurry, hurry, hurry and guli khalo. But he's very gentle. He slows the entire flock down to care of, take care of the young, the weak, the pregnant. Slows it all down. He's watching over the weak. He's watching over them. He's watching over them. Watching over. And God is sitting there and looking at says, "Yes, you know, look at, look at that. He must have told the son to the father, the father to the spirit, the angel. You look at that boy. Do you see how he takes care of his sheep? Do you see how he takes care of his sheep?" Do you know how he's so beautifully taking care of the young ones, the weak ones? He picked him to shepherd Jacob's people, Israel. He did not rule to shepherd. Saul was ruling, sitting on the throne with a spear. David shepherded. That was God's testimony about David. Rama, when he went wrong with Bathsheba, Nathan comes and uses the same illustration. He didn't use him. He said, do you know, there was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had many. The poor man had this thing. David's everything. Because he's, his sheep means he's, everything comes out. <laughs> Who's that man? You. You are that man. You know where he began? In such a simple, what no, is kaam mein bhaavi nahi hai. No glory in this job. Sheep. Who cares? But the way he took care of his sheep, God watching. The way you mop your floor, which your mother tells you to do. The way you clean the table when your father or mother. The way you wash a scooter or car, she tells you to do. Or you do it on your own. The way you do these things, don't worry about it. Father may never notice. Jesse probably had no idea what was happening. But God was watching. God was watching. God was watching. 
That's what verse 72 say. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. Whom did he shepherd according to the integrity of his heart? Israel. Why? Because he shepherded the sheep of his father with the same integrity of the heart. And how did he do it? Guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Where did he learn this? With the small things. How we handle small things, when you are faithful with little things, you can be trusted with big things. But you are not, cannot be trusted with little things. God says, how can I give you good, big things? You are so faithful with the sheep. God said, I'll give you my nation. And I will take care of them. People didn't like David very much. They liked Saul, they liked Absalom and all. But God loved David. God loved David. God knew my people will be safe in his hands. So God always reminiscences about David, David, David. Integrity of his heart. He will shepherd them according to the integrity of his. What did he tell Samuel? Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. That's the first thing he says. Do you have integrity in your heart? Is your heart one? Mark 6 and verse, uh, I think, 24. Oh, sorry, not Mark, Mark. Matthew, Matthew. What does it say? 6.24 No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. Meaning your heart has to be whole. You cannot serve two. And the easiest way to do is that I will serve God. I will serve God. And then it's very easy to serve others. Your heart is stayed. Our problem is our heart is not stayed on our God. Our heart is stayed on us. What is there in there for me? Heart is already divided. You cannot serve God and flesh. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and the world. And everybody is trying to balance. God says, you are imbalanced. It is not possible, God says. It is not possible. You have to serve God. The problem is, okay, I will only serve God. Now I am going to on a 21 day fasting. and I'm going. God says, no, when you serve me, you serve others. This is not a monk. This is where we get wrong. We get too spiritual. Head in heaven. Feet on earth. And caught in between. How is your heart? Your heart stayed. That's why we are shaken by every event that comes and some people are not shaken at all. Some people are not shaken at all. You know why they are not shaken at all? Absolutely heart is stayed on God and they know. You know Lord, every day of my life I have been praying this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and it will be done. I don't care what's happening around. I know it will come. My heart is stayed on you, not on my problems. It will come to pass. Your kingdom will reign over every other kingdom. My heart is stayed on you. That was David's prayer. Psalm 86 verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart. Well, that's I was Pastor Vijay will of course give you a lecture on that. That is from where you get integrity. Integers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten are all integers. One by two is a fraction, not a fractured heart, but heart that is whole. We all have fractured hearts, so we struggle. We are not integers, we have fractions. 
God's, that's not David. David understands. He says, that's what, but Lord gave me an undivided heart. Whenever his heart was divided, he fell. Oh, if I go like this, Saul will one day kill me. Dung, heart was divided, gone. 16 months gone down the drain. And one day when kings go to war, he sat at home. Heart is divided. He fell. And then when he's king, okay, let us count. Heart was divided. He fell. Three times. Three times. Undivided heart. Lord, give me an undivided heart. Is your heart divided? You know why people struggle? You Young children struggle. You put career first, not God first. If you put God first, he will put your career first. Not you. He will put your career first. <laughs> you are trying to put career first and nothing seems to be happening. But the guys in the Bible who put the God first, their careers worked out very well. When the king tested Joseph and J- uh, yeah, Daniel, this Hebrew guy is ten times better than everybody. Reason he put God first. His heart was undivided. Daniel purposed in his heart. Undivided heart. I'm telling you secrets of eternal success, not temporary. And the skillfulness of his hands. Many are called. Few are chosen. Please remember that. Many are called. Everyone sitting here is called. Being called as I am preaching. Genesis 49 verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What is that? Scepter shall not depart from Judah. It's a prophecy. The one who prophesies is dead. Joseph is dead. Israel is in bondage. 430 years they are down. Moses is 40 years in the wilderness. Moses is dead. Joshua has brought. Joshua is dead. Judges 450 years. They are all dead. Samuel is alive. He is dead. Or he is finishing his reign. Thousand years have passed by. The prophecy is still waiting for one man from the tribe of Judah to fall upon. One man. Thousands and thousands are now the tribe of Judah. God is still looking for one man from the tribe of Judah on whom this mantle can fall. And it is a shepherd boy. In that thousand years, do you know how many hundreds and thousands and millions of from the tribe of Judah have come and gone? Nobody was found fit for the mantle. Nobody was found fit. A shepherd boy who guided his father's sheep with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. God's promises never fall to the ground. It will always find a man in time. And you must say, like D.L. Moody said, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. With the grace of God, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. I'm speaking to the young people. The older people, it does not matter. Mantle fell upon Moses when he was 80. But it does not matter. One man. So the question is, God waited. God waited. And God will wait. And he found his man. He served in secret. Nobody saw him. Not even his father. His father thought this guy is not worth calling. His mother forgot him. I can't even understand. That's why God says, even if your mother forgets you, I will not. His mother forgot him. Mothers don't forget. Fathers forget. Mothers don't forget. Father and mother forgot. Brothers didn't want to even think about it. Look at First Samuel 16, 13, 14. Yeah. What does it say? Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. In the front of all his family, God said, you didn't see him, I saw him. Right in the middle, anoint him. You may be overlooked. Nobody may recognize you. 
for years and years and years. It's irrelevant. If you are living under the eyes of God and you're faithful in little things, including faithful in your repentance. Because whenever we say faithful, oh, I am, I am not perfect. No, be perfect in your repentance. That's being faithful in a small thing. It looks very small to man. It's a very big thing for God. Very big thing to God. Because the first word of the gospel of the kingdom of God is repent. Because it's very big for God. Very casual for men. Be faithful in it. You will be blameless. And picked by God one day. Are you ready? Are you ready? Look at this. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Wait a second. Hey, 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 hey. Samuel had come to Jesse's house. Sanctify your house. Sanctify everybody. God is going to do something. Everybody is sanctified, sanctified, sanctified. Changed clothes, washed. Oil, sub, dalakar, kadawa, sub. Everybody is waiting. Nobody was chosen. Nobody was chosen. And then suddenly, she said, is there anybody? He said, yeah. Uh, Jesse said, yeah, yeah. The youngest one, he's in the field. Okay, call him. He comes. I don't know who was sent. Some servant was sent to call him. So he's brought. Wait a second. Did he shower? Did he change his clothes? Did he anoint himself? Nothing is written there. You know, he was already sanctified inside. See, the day when the spirit comes, you need to be ready. You don't know which day he will come. You can't get it. Oh, today, the 10th of January is the day of sanctification. Lord, 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 Lord. Let me look at my file. So many things, Lord, clear. No man knows the hour when he will come. Do you know when he will come? The church for 2,000 years, the believing remnant church has been crying every day, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. What does it mean? They are living each day in the light of his coming. If it is today, I am ready, Lord. This is the way. The others had to be sanctified. He was walking in his sanctification. So God says, arise and anoint him. He doesn't need any outward preparation. His heart is sanctified. That's all that is needed. That's all that is needed. And you are sanctified. Heart. Acts chapter 15, 8 and 9. God who knows the heart. <laughs> God who knows. You see, everywhere it comes. God who knows the, not style, heart. Acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as they did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. God knows the heart. God purifies my heart, but I have to offer my heart to him to purify. So David's heart was pure. God says, anointed. Others were all, all clean outside. David was dirty outside and clean inside, smelling of sheep and sheep smell. I know. My grandfather had sheep. I had to go with him a couple of times, few times, take care of them to the vet and the sheep and a few rams too and not rams, goats too. They used to jump on side like this. There are goats in church too. Think for a minute. How can your heart be purified, David? How can your heart be sanctified? Think. Imagine. This is the way you should use your imagination. Not for movies, but for the kingdom of God. Okay? All seven. 
call other. Jesse calls. Hey, 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 some, come here, seven. Go to the wilderness. Go there. You know where David is. Go call him. And he runs and says, David, 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 your father has called you. He said, what happened? What happened? Anything wrong? No, no, the prophet has come. And what happened? I don't know. Everybody is, the prophet is, it's a huge thing happening over there. Everybody is sanctified. Everybody is waiting. And now the prophet is looking for you and is thinking, prophet came. My dad didn't call me. Prophet came. My mother didn't call me. Prophet came. Nobody remembered me. Now that they don't have anybody, they are thinking of me. How can a heart be pure? How can he be anointed? You know, he had no resentment, nothing of being overlooked. It's a journey. It's a journey. That's what God is trying to do with Abraham. Take your son, your only son, I will tell you, make a journey, and I will tell you where to offer him. And every step of the way, God is looking at his heart before he will show him the mountain. I'm checking your heart. The third day, he's at that mountain. Because in these three days, his heart is being checked. Is your heart right with me? Are you mad with me? Are you upset with me? Are you angry with me? And David was not. How many young people or old people will not be upset if you are overlooked? By father, pastor, mother. I've been serving the church. He doesn't know my voice. My voice is so good. He came only yesterday. He's already in the worship team. Yo, I don't choose people. I can only give you a platform. I can't make you sing to God. I can only make you sing to men. Only you can sing to God. And worship is singing to God. So even if it was fantastic worship today, the pastor may have been pleased. I have no clue whether God is pleased. Ultimately, the only thing that matters is, is God pleased with my life? Be careful. God is watching our hearts. That is what James 1 is doing. That he who comes through temptation, he will receive the crown. Can you endure? Got the fiery darts of the enemy. You've been mislooked. You have been overlooked. Your talent is not recognized. Tang, tang, tang is coming. And the shield of faith. No, my God, my God, my God. Appointed time. My God, my God. Maybe he's better than me. Maybe she's better than me. Maybe he has more anointing. It's deflecting every arrow of the enemy. Because the accusation is not at you. The accusation is at God. And here is a man saying, my God is good, good, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. He's good and he's right and he's righteous always in all his ways. God says, that's my boy. That is my boy. You become on earth the defender of faith. Defender of God's testimony. Right? What about others? First Samuel 17, 28. His, Eliab, his older brother heard when he spoke to them and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep? Suddenly he's very concerned about the sheep. Why do you think this thing all came out? Do you know why? Because the simple thing God is saying is that there are eight of you, an anointed one. It's a test for him, it's a test for you. Can you glory when somebody else other than you is promoted? Who is much younger to you? Can you handle it? He couldn't handle it. And crack, 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 crack. Everything is coming out. It, it, it won't come out. It, there's a time when the volcano will burst. Pressure cooker, when you put it, doesn't go. 
It is simmering, 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 simmering. But even if you put on simmer, still it will blow one day. Comes out. Somebody will say, no, it never comes out for me like that. Good. Genesis 37, 3, 4, for you this, this. Genesis 37, 3 to 4. His brothers went to 3, 3 and 4. So not 12, 30. 3 and 4. Yeah. I gave it to you, right? 37, 3. Yeah, 3 and 4, yeah. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. And when his brothers saw that, their father loved him more than all his brothers. They hated him and they could not speak peaceably. They don't burst out. Hmm. 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 I have self-control. I don't. <laughs> I don't burst out like you. Some like it hot, some like it cold. So there are cold people and hot people. But God checks the heart. Cannot hide it from God. But the simple question you have to ask, keep asking is, am I kingly material? Is my head fit to wear a crown? Do I have the character of a king that I can wait? And if I am overlooked by man, I am still okay. He's better than me. Maybe that's why he was picked. That's what John the Baptist said. He should increase, I should decrease. Right? I'm not angry. I'm not quiet. I'm not giving that person the silent treatment. Can you handle it? Am I kingly material? Genesis 37, 12 and 13. Yeah, the next one. His brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He said to them, Here I am. And for Samuel 17, 17 and 18. You see, there are lessons here. This is said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain, these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back new. You see, it's almost identical. Almost identical. But wait a second. Didn't I receive an anointing? I received an anointing from the prophet. Others should serve me. You know, it's a test. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. You've been chosen to serve. Will you serve your brothers? The ones who are not anointed. The kingdom of God does not work like the kingdom of earth. It does not work. And people don't realize this. This is the reasons why it slips you. We pray, Lord, pass me not by. But God says, I have no choice but pass you by. You don't give me a chance in a day to put my hand on you because you serve nobody except yourself. If lunch is served, you are first there waiting for that big bone looking. That chicken leg. Because you are serving yourself. Mm-hmm. It's always self. I'm just using a simple example of something. <laughs> you can fit it into your own resume wherever it comes. He says, can you? 
No, pastor didn't speak to me at all last Sunday service. Simple. Did you speak to anybody? Pastor may have forgotten, but you still had a chance. Hi, how are you? Are you new? Do I know your name? Where are you from? You could fellowship, right? So when you say, pastor didn't speak to me, you are a master. But when you go and seek others' well-being, you became a servant. God is looking for servants. Because he himself is a servant king. That's the difference. He's a servant king. That's why I kept on telling his disciples, no, the kings of this world lord over the people. We, kingdom people, we serve God and our generation. Be careful. Be careful. Will you go? Will you go the extra mile? That's what happened to David, right? That's that's happened to Joseph. He went the extra mile. Father said, where are they? And she came. But where were they? Dothab. He went the extra mile. Why? He's doing the father's will. With his whole heart. Dad wants to know how my brothers are. But his letter of the law was go till she came. I went to she came. Came back. Did you see your brothers? No. Did you obey him? Yes. Did you obey his heart? No. What are the heart? How are your brothers? So I will go fine. And because he went that extra mile, he was chosen there. It looked like a well, but he was chosen by God. David went to check the welfare of his brothers. His brothers are soldiers, tall, big, hefty guys. And he's taking his brothers when Goliath comes. What did the father say? Check how your brothers are and come back. He could have gone back. But he said, hey, my brothers are not able to fight. Nobody is able to fight. Their lives are all a danger. Israel's life is a danger. God's name and his reputation. Can I fight? He went the extra mile. Does he have to fight? Is he in the army? No. Was he called to fight? No. But he chose to fight. He went the extra mile. Every brother's battle is my battle. Maybe my brother cannot battle. I will fight his battle. Can you go? An extra mile? Extra mile. Matthew 5 verse 38 onwards. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Can I go further down? Yeah. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him. Two. Suddenly we are coming into the kingdom. Let's go to 42, all the way to 46. You have heard it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? What is God talking about? God is saying there are three levels. First level is you do evil for evil. That's the demonic level. That is Satan's level. He does evil for evil. You do evil to me, I will do evil to you. That's how people do. Second level, you do good for good. You do good to me, I will do good to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. That is human level. God says kingdom life is not that. You do evil to me, I will do good to you. That's the extra mile. 
It's the extra mile that makes you a believer. Doing good to you, the one who got good to you is the law. Grace doesn't operate that way. That's what God is talking about. Now don't talk about, understand what the extra mile and all. Abigail, come here, sweetie pie. Come here. Go to verse 39 and Abigail, come here. Let the camera also see you. All those online, this is Pastor Vijay's eldest daughter, the wise little Abigail. Okay. Now, we will read it together. I tell you not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Let me ask you. If I were to slap her, which is your right cheek? Where is your right cheek? Here, right? This is a right cheek. This is a left cheek. It's not written that you slap her on a left cheek. This is punishment. This is humiliation. Understand? You slap like this. That is punishment. This is humiliation. The back of my hand. Somebody humiliates you. Don't take it to heart. Keep blessing. Thank you, honey. That's why God sends people into your life who will gossip about you, slander about you, humiliate you, all kinds. Don't stop the blessings from flowing. It's been sent into your life to test you. Is it my life or your life? If it's your life, it stops. If it's my life, it continues to flow. This is the kingdom of God. We live a level above the world. Above the world. No pity party. No pity party. Poor me, everybody. No. No pity party with Joseph. No pity party with David. He just turns away from his brother. Is there not a cause? Did he pick a fight with me? Do you know who I am? Okay, when that day when Saul came, he overlooked all of you, anointed me, no? Did he say anything? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's what God is talking about. We'll preach about this whole thing another day. I just wanted to give you what it means in the kingdom to be chosen by God. This is our temptation. Will you endure that? Why? Because when you are anointed, David has received his first anointing. When you are anointed, the battle begins. Battle with what? Galatians 5.17 When you are anointed, what begins? I, yeah, 517. The flesh resists us. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. You see, David had no problems with his brothers till he was recognized. The minute he was recognized, his brothers are all against him. Now the problem is not with the brothers. The problem is with him because they are not being tested. He is being tested. He's the one who is being tested. So the test is for him. Will you endure so that he can receive the crown? The test is for Joseph. It's not for his brothers. One day Joseph will become king and he will take his entire family, his brothers under his wings and take care of all of them. So will David take his entire family one day, take care of them and his two sisters' sons become generals and all in his army. He takes care of all of them. He does not hold anything in his heart. Neither does Joseph. So the test is for Joseph. The test is for David. Not his brothers. 
Because they have not been anointed to be tested. So this is the first test we have to go through. These are, he has not been anointed king. He has only been given token. Stand in queue. Token mila. Now we'll see how you stand in queue. Mera number kab aayega? Aayega? Please wait, you are on queue. Aap Qatar mein hai. Oman mein nahi Qatar mein hai. I don't want to serve that person. I don't want to serve that person. Let me make it clear to everyone here and everyone listening online. We make big boo-boo with anointing and gift. These are two different things. Anointing and gift are two different things. They are not the same. Your anointing can go and your gift can still work. Lot of people around the world, I hope I am not Lord one of them because I have no gift. I believe I have an anointing. I don't have a gift like others. They work on their gifts so the anointing has left. Let me show to you. First Samuel 16.6 and 16.14. Oh, no, no. Not 16.6. Yeah, yeah. Not 16. It was 10.10. 10.6 10. 10, and 16.14. 10.6. Get it? And the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. What? Who is this? Saul. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You will be anointed and the gift will operate. What is the gift? You will start prophesying. Who is that? Saul. Now go to 16. And the spirit of the Lord departed from Paul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Let me ask you the question. Did the gift stop? No. He kept prophesying. The spirit of God has left. Still operating in a gift. Spirit of God is gone. Please, young people, more than the gift, we want the giver. You take every gift you want. I'm good. Don't leave me. You know what David said? Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I'm skillful now. My talents, my gifts operate better than ever before. Oh, those days I could only operate eh? sling. Now I can operate a sword, a spear, a javelin, a bow, an arrow. Those days I sang a few songs. Now I can write songs. I can compose music, everything. But Lord, all this is irrelevant without your spirit. Don't take your anointing away. Don't take your anointing away. I see 11, verse 2. I see 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Did you see that? That's the anointing. And after that you hear is the gifts. The rest are gifts. We don't want the rest without the first. And that is what Jesus is about. Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Those are gifts. But anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to ask for, Lord. 
Everybody is looking. God says, ask for gifts and all. But why do you want a gift without your anointing? You are operating in the flesh. It's all about you. Come, camera on me. Lights, camera, everything. Okay, okay, okay. Watch, okay, everybody. Okay, okay. Cast the correct frame, okay, okay. It's a gift. Operating in the flesh. Is the gift genuine? Yeah. I'm not saying all of the gifts are genuine, but anointing. So God wants to anoint us. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. The Spirit of the Lord departed. Saul. Because you can't have two kings in a land. This is God's kingdom. Man sees Saul. God sees David. One is sitting on the throne. One is in the making. God only recognized. How do you know? Because the spirit left one man. And the spirit is on another man. That is what makes you a king. What makes you a king? The anointing. That makes you a king. What is the job of a king? To deliver his people. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. That's a king. He delivers his people. And Saul is not even able to deliver himself. Though he's got a throat. And God will give you the anointing without measure. Like I was telling, he gives the spirit without measure. If you're willing and open to receive it. In Elisha's second widow, only the vessels ran out. Oil did not run out. The oil stopped when the vessels ran out. Psalm 133 verse 2. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edges. See, when God anoints, it flows and flows and flows and flows and flows. Meaning your entire being can take the anointing. Because that's how I want to give it to you. But are you ready? Is your whole person surrendered? Is your entire being surrendered? That is Jesus walking. Anointing is flowing and a woman has to come and touch the edge of the robe and virtue is flowing. Flowing. Anointed. Anointed. And that's where the difference, when Saul was anointed, he took a bottle, anointed it, Holy Spirit came. But when David was anointed, he took the horn. The horn is a symbol of power. Anointed him with power. Because it's God's boy. God's man. That is man's man. Everybody wants to be man's man. The complete man. Oh, Derek, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but God says, do you want to be God's man? Young people, you're all called. So as soon as anointed, what rises up? He has to battle his flesh. His own flesh. Not his flesh outside, his flesh inside. The flesh outside doesn't matter. It's your flesh that matters. If you can handle your flesh, you can handle anybody. If you you cannot handle your flesh, you can handle nobody. Even a child will irritate you. Your own baby will irritate you. Take it to the other room. I want to sleep. <laughs> Innocent little thing. You know why? Because you can't handle your flesh. But if you can handle your flesh, you can handle anybody. That's how Jesus walked. That's what the anointing is first given for. David is anointed first time. For what? To handle himself. Make yourself worthy for the second anointing. First, 
Win over your flesh. Battle your flesh. Deal with your flesh. Bring your flesh to subjection. Second Samuel chapter 2 verse 4. Probably 13 years. I'm putting his age also at 17 when he got like David. Like Joseph 17. In that case, 13 years later. The men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. Now he's getting a second anointing. I'm not saying you need to wait 13 years. I'm just giving pictures in the Bible. Pictures in the Bible. And the next verse, 3 and verse 1. Because of this anointing, what happens? Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. David grew stronger and stronger. The house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Now your battle is not with your flesh. It is with the house of Saul. It is a battle with the world. The world is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And you are growing stronger and stronger and stronger. Now the anointing has changed, the battle has changed. You have dealt with your flesh, now you are dealing with the world. You are dealing with the world. And you can handle the world easily. doesn't matter what the world comes and says. You can handle them. Anointing, you have to understand. This is not a gift. This is anointing. It's not that he got one more gift. No. He got one more anointing. Authority is increasing. Power is increasing. Second Samuel chapter 5 and verse 3. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. Now he's already king. Why is he king? Because he's overcome the flesh. Typically handling the flesh. Overcoming the flesh. Not overcome. We None of us will overcome. We have to over, keep overcoming the flesh. He's overcome the world. The house of Saul. Uh, at Hebron. And David made a covenant before and they anointed David king over Israel. Now the third anointing is anointed over, earlier only with Judah. Oh, he receives his third anointing. Immediately what happens? Verse 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. What happens? Your spiritual warfare, you start winning. Now you are not fighting the house of Saul. You are fighting the enemies of God. You are no longer fighting flesh. That's part of your battle. You are winning easily. You are no longer fighting the world. You are winning easily. Now you are fighting powers of darkness. The Philistines have come to fight. And you will see David will not lose a single battle. Single battle. This is the anointing. This is how you know you are a king or not. Or on the road to being a king. Because there has to be markers, there has to be sign. You will know whether you are on the viewpoint. We are going driving from Hyderabad to Bangalore every time you look at, no? Board is there, board is there. Bangalore 80 kilometers, Bangalore 40 kilometers. On the other hand, you are going to Bangalore and the board says Warangal 20 kilometers. Will you t- go? Hmm. No, of course, all roads lead to Rome. If you keep on going and cross the ocean, you can reach Bangalore. <laughs> but a lot of people are running the race like that. They are going to Bangalore but looking at the board which always says Warangal. you have markers? Do you have markers in your life? How are you man dealing with my flesh? Is my anointing working? I'm, I'm overcoming. 2020 was a good year. 2020 was a good year. What a bad year with the world. Good year with the flesh, bad year with the world. 2020 was a good year with the flesh and the world but bad year with the powers of darkness. Markers. Why? Running for a crown. That's what Paul says. I have run my race. I fought that good fight. I've kept the faith. Now it is kept for me. What? A crown of righteousness. Mukurta hai. Pakka. How do you know? I know the markers in my life. 
And what are the markers, Paul? Oh, you didn't know? What is that, Paul? Everybody in Asia abandoned me. You mean all your church turned their back to you? Yes. And when I was in prison, nobody came to see me. And are you upset? No. Not at all. I just forgive them. The Lord. It's not, it's not even bothered. That's a marker inside. Outside it looks you're waiting for execution. Inside marker is you're running for your crown. Outside reality and inside reality are completely different. The markers are not outside. The markers are inside. In the world, markers are all outside. Certificate, certificate, promotion, certificate, promotion. Here nothing. It's opposite. Markers are inside. I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm not bursting out. I'm not closing up. I'm serving. I'm still serving with a smile, with the gladness of heart. I'm still serving. Because I know I'm not Cain. I am my brother's keeper. I am not Cain. I am my brother's keeper. That's what God is talking about. That's what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And his righteousness. His righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. The promise is very clear. The kingdom of God, the scepter of the kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. And Romans 3.21 says, as I overcame, you overcome, you'll also sit on the throne. I, I can't overcome my way. I have to overcome his way. Right? Yeah, Revelation 3.21. The first mile you are compelled to do it. That's a Pharisee. Tuck, 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 tuck. This is yours. Tuck, tuck, tuck. This is yours. Okay, I did my duty. They are very duty bound. And Jesus uses an illustration, first mile, second mile. And they all understood what it was all about. The Roman, they are all slaves. I mean, they are occupied territory. The Romans are in control. And they are brutal regime. The Romans have a law. If a Roman soldier is passing with his backpack, his lord, if he tells you, carry it for a mile, you have to carry it for a mile. The law says only a mile. And so the Jews had mile markers everywhere. And how does he carry? Like this. Mile. Finish. Did you serve anybody? He's a slave, you are a slave. He's a slave inside. You are a slave inside. Both are oppressors. You are oppressed inside, he's oppressing you from outside. There's no difference between either of you. That's what God is saying. Think on the other hand. You understand the principle of grace. Hey! Yes, sir. Carry my load. I'm studying. Uh, where are you from? He's strange. Jewish fellow talking to me. The Samaritan woman. You're talking to me? This guy is haters. He's talking to me? Yeah. Where are you from? Okay. Oh, I've heard about this place. Did you become a Roman citizen by birth or by paying? No. Okay. Okay. Do you have a family? How many children do you have? This fellow is wondering, what's wrong with this guy? Okay. And then as you're walking, you're talking, and this fellow is also slowly warming up. And after that, mile marker. He said, well, you can go. No, no. I'll carry it for one more mile. By the time you have crossed to the second mile, he says, hey, I haven't found a Jewish guy like you. What's so different about you? Oh, 
That's my God. That's how you witness. People who walk the second mile always have a witness. They will want to know what makes you who you are. Who saw you? Who saw you? Because everybody walks the first mile. Great deed. Mm, long face. My husband doesn't appreciate me at all, so you take your breakfast burnt offering. Or wife, words are whatever it is. No, everybody is walking the first mile. Second mile. God is looking. Anybody, anybody, anybody. He says, yeah, found one boy in David's, uh, Jacob's house. Oh, found one boy in Jesse's house. Second mile. All second mile people. Second mile people. That's what God is talking about. Can you rain? Are you fit to rain? That is what raining, right? That's what grace is given. Grace is anointing. What is anointing given for? To reign. How do you know you are a king without a crown? The way you reign. Romans 6.14. What does it say? First sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Sin doesn't have dominion over me. I don't react that way anymore. I used to. I am not. I'm battling it. I am going to be cheerful. I'm asking the Lord, help me to be a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. I want to be a cheerful giver, Lord. I don't know, I'm looking for appreciation. They disregard me, they never compliment me. My husband never says my dress is good, I look good. It's okay, doesn't matter. Why? Because I'm working on inside. When I'm working on my inside, my father says from heaven, you're beautiful, beautiful inside. You are a gentle and a meek spirit. You don't have spent so much time on shopping. You're saving money. A good steward because you're being made beautiful inside. You're letting me work on you. You're dealing with your flesh. You're allowing grace to reign. You know what? You're truly a queen. You're truly my child. You're a witness. Nobody sees the crown, but you know what? Your head is fit for a crown. Are we overcoming? That's the question. As we come to closing... Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain. Obtain what? Mercy. Where are you going? To the? Where are you going to? The throne. That means you are going before the king. What are you going for? Esther goes. Hope the king extends his scepter. What are you hoping for? First mercy, then only grace. Grace comes after mercy. First you want mercy, right? And God says, how do you walk? Are you a king? Are you a king? Do you extend mercy? Every day? Okay. That one offended me. That one said bad about me. That one didn't serve me. Lord, I'm extending mercy. Pilate was there. Herod was there. Ananias was there. Caiaphas was there. They were all kings. And then on the cross, there was somebody hanging who was a king. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. You know what? He was a king. It didn't matter what he looked like. It didn't matter that his body was marred beyond recognition. A king is always a king. The crown doesn't make you a king. The crown only identifies the king within you. And if you are not a king within you, it doesn't matter how many crowns you wear. You are still a slave. Still a slave. And these are pictures of a king. What does a king do? He extends mercy. Extends mercy. And after that, 
grace. What is the throne called? Throne room of grace. He not only extends mercy, he extends grace. He goes beyond mercy, extends grace. Acts 2025, have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Are you a giver or a taker? Kings give, they don't take. I was telling the, telling the pastors yesterday, imagine old Zamana, poor man comes from the village to see the king. You always have to bring a gift to king. So what did he bring? Two chickens and five eggs. Hazur, pranam. The king takes it and says, okay, what does it go? No, he gives him a gift which is beyond that poor man's this thing. Because the king is always a giver. He extends grace. God says, are you somebody who is graceful? That's how you rule in life. That's how you rule in life. Are you a king? And the other one in Second Samuel, I think it is 6, 7, 8, 1. Mephisobeth. Six he brings the, the, yeah, if you want I can pick it up for you. Second Samuel. Yeah, got it? That's why I said I memorized my Bible. Nine one. Second Samuel nine one. Got it? Is there still anyone who's left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now what is saying? Many, 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 many years ago, Jonathan was king and I was slave. I was running for my life. He was prince. He showed kindness to me. He kindness to me. He was extremely good to me. Now I am king. He's dead. I owe him a debt. Kings owe no man nothing. They always pay their debts. You know what God is saying? No man. God owes no man anything. Don't ever say, I did this for God and God gave me nothing. God said nothing like that in history. God is a king. He owes no man nothing. So if you are a king, you owe no man anything except the debt of love. Do you owe anybody something? Do you have any of my books? Do you need to return? Clothes? Somebody, something is going around. Phone. Oh, it must be from inside. Money? Anything? Are you okay? Mercy? Grace? No debts? How many years have passed by? Hasn't forgotten. Is there anybody from the household of Saul of Jonathan to whom I can show kindness? Because he showed me kindness. It's now time I paid it back. Think. This is how we know which road you are on. Otherwise we are not, we are saved, we are not running our race. We are not running our race. So coming to the end of it, conclusion of the matter, are we faithful in little things? Can God trust us with money? Can God trust us with another man's property? That's important, right? One of the things which we learned, I learned, when we were young is that when you borrow a book, you cover it immediately. Because it's not your book. 
Here, take my book. Have you read? No, not finish. Two more weeks. Three more weeks. Four more weeks. After finally, have you read? No, I didn't finish, but you can have it back. I'll bring it back. Come in. Gave it in one piece, comes back in four pieces. Are you a steward? Somebody else's property? I'm talking about little things. Are you a steward? We think these things don't matter. These things don't matter for salvation. You're not saved by your works. But these things matter for being chosen. These things. Ignore little people. Ignore little, everybody wants to be, have you, like I told last time, when was the last time you took a selfie with a beggar? Question, right? Good question. And then do gardenses of a standing next to Modiji. No, you are not. You are one kilometer away. She did photoshopping. Such an, no. Celebrities, everyone selfies. Jesus comes down after preaching from the mountain. Lord, if you are willing. He says, who is it? If there was photography that day, first selfie of Jesus in ministry with a leper. Do we care for small people? Ask yourself. You have maids in your house, right? You have maids. They are small people. So you have power over them. Fire them, hire them, anytime you want. No pension, no health insurance, no gratuity, nothing. They live off your, off your mercy. Why are you late today? You never asked yourself, why did you wear late to wake up today? Did God ask you that question? No. But you asked that maid that question, right? Did you ever ask you are late today? Is everything at home? Is your child ill? Is your husband still drinking? No, why are you late today? Think. It's the practical lessons why people never grow. We think the problem is all with powers of darkness, sorcery, witchcraft. God says nothing. You are the problem. I shut every door. I shut every, you seal it with the blood of Jesus. God says, the roof is there. Your roof is open. The devil is coming in and out, in and out. You are shutting every door. What door are you shutting? Your old roof is blown away. We are all on the race. We are all on, on the way. I'm telling you things that really, really matter to God. Say, Lord, help me to see as you see little people. The little people in my life. Show me the little things I'm not careful about. Let me be faithful with somebody else. The earth and its fullness belongs to God. I myself is belongs to God. Let me be faithful with your property. And first thing when I look in the mirror, I am your property. My life is yours. My time is yours. My talent is yours. My treasure is yours. Help me to be a good steward, Lord. Serious. Unless you know what you are running for, you don't know how to run. Unless you know what God is looking for, how do you examine yourself? Right? These are things that are important to God. Okay, important to God. And I'm telling you, young people, especially the young ones, because if you can start well when you are young, you will run long. Even if you fall, you will. A lot of people haven't run big and well. They say in English, a race well begun is half run, if my memory is right. Race well begun. If you start well, you look at the people who, when this young started well, they had that in them. They worked on them. And all they needed was one touch from God and boom, they went. 
They didn't carry anything in their heart. And when the time came, God could anoint them, put the crown on them, and they ruled. And when they fell, they bounced back because the heart was always right with God. Heart was always right with God. And that's why I'm talking always to the young people. Not to, I mean, whether you are young or old, if you are in the Lord, you are young. Even if you came to the Lord at 60, you are still a young person. And spiritual discipline doesn't change for anybody. The same for me, the same for you. I am not bereft from the same rules. I have to apply it on myself, fight it out every day, because it applies to me and to you. We are all in the same race. That is what God is talking about. Through it all, God was watching the shepherd boy. How he was tending his father's sheep. Eve's heavy with babies, small little lambs. And some of them, and I'm sure they would pick one. He had names for all of them. And then he would pick the another one. Okay, two little lambs and he's going around. God is watching. You know what? This guy is he's a really loving, kind guy. And his father never notices, never appreciates, doesn't even call him, nothing, doesn't matter. I just love my sheep. That's one portion. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. If I'm right, it is verse 17. And we will close. Okay. They say online when pastor says close, it means six, 30 minutes more. They don't want me to close. Okay, only you want me to close. But we have to empty the hall. Uh, chapter 17. Chapter 17 and verse 14 and 15. Yeah, 17, 14 and 15. I love this verse. I remember years and years and years and years ago when God showed me this verse in the Bible. David was the youngest and the three oldest followed Saul. They are soldiers. and David was the youngest. But by now David is in the palace. David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Which boy will leave the palace to go to a sheep pen? Who will? Palace to mil gaya. Khushi ka jeevan, khana, khasana, natsana, everything is there, no? That's not this guy. Okay, he's, he's his, uh, David, uh, God master David, uh, you are off for the next two days, you are not in the roster. Really off? Can I go? Yeah. Why are you going home? No, I'm going to my sheep. Going to my sheep. Kept on going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's what God is talking about. Do we have his heart? Nobody notices any of these things. Let me tell you, even Samuel doesn't regard him. You know that? The prophet who anointed doesn't regard him. He's still sitting and mourning about soul. He never mourns about David. What did the Bible say? He anointed him and went back to Rama. He didn't take him with him. That's what I would do. If I was Samuel, I would say, hey, this is the guy God has chosen. Let me mentor him like I mentored Saul. Come with me, boy. Stay with me. I will teach you. No, left him and went. Even the prophet doesn't bother about him. But you know what? God bothered about him. Father doesn't. Mother doesn't. Brothers doesn't. Village doesn't. Prophet doesn't. Yet that boy is ready. When the prophet comes, he's ready. He doesn't have to be sanctified. Right? He's anointed. And the evil evil spirit is tormenting Saul. David is called. The Bible says, David played the harp and the evil spirit led. What does it mean? Oh, oh, he's tormented by evil spirits. Okay, Sunday is worship, no? Lord, Lord, I need anointing for Sunday, Lord. Anointing, anointing, anointing. He was walking in the anointing. It doesn't matter what you called him for, he was ready. 
whether it was to be chosen, whether it was to fight powers of darkness, and then one day he's going with bread for his brothers. Goliath comes and he tells the king, I will fight. King says, you will fight? He says, I will fight. What do you mean? I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? No. Yo, Goliath has come. Pastor, six days fasting. Lord, I have to prepare for this. Lord. Not David. David is ready. That's what Jesus said. Watch. No man knows the hour that I come. This is all preparations in your life to see that when these eventualities come, are you ready? That's what we keep saying. We are in the biggest spiritual battle of our age. I am telling you, we are ready. Because we didn't prepare for this today. We've been preparing this for the past 12 years. And when the hour comes, we are ready. We'll fast more, we'll pray more, we'll praise more, we'll preach more, and we'll fight more. We will not buckle under this challenge. You know why? Because we are ready. Did the preparation begin now? No, it began years and years ago. We didn't know this was coming, but we're always ready. That's the Joel army God is raising. That's the Elisha generation that is God is raising. That's the Joash generation God is raising. An army of people who are anointed, prepared, always ready. Because their heart is stayed on God. That's where it all begins. The integrity of your heart. Undivided devotion to God. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you. And I pray over both young and old. Oh, Father. I pray, Lord, touch our hearts. You're the God who searches the hearts of men. Your eyes roam to and fro over the whole earth looking for one man, one woman, young boy, girl, anybody whose heart is stayed on you. Not on the world, not on their problems. Neither the cares of the world, nor the pleasures of the world, nor the treasures of this world, whose heart is on you. They are careful about little things, because they know their God is careful about little things. Absolutely careful about little things. Father, your word says when Jesus rose from the dead, his headpiece which covered his dead body was folded and kept. That's how meticulous you were with little things. You are absolutely careful about little people, whether it was a leopard, a Samaritan woman, a cripple sitting by the poolside, you cared for little people. And unless we have your heart, we can never become like you. Because it all begins with the heart. Help us, Lord, to redeem our time, to use the talents you have given us and invest the treasure that you have committed little or more in the kingdom of God so that we know we are storing up treasures in heaven. Touch the young ones, Lord. Touch the young ones. That they will start being faithful in little things, in their little prayer, in their little daily devotion, the little notes they make. They will start becoming faithful in little things, taking care of each other, being kind to each other. Loving each other. Looking out always to see whom I can help. Give a helping hand. Not looking inward, but always looking outward. For your word says it's more blessed to give than to receive. To be an extremely good steward of money. So that the more we save, the more we can spend on others and not on self. 
That's the whole point. We are not misers. We are generous. Misers with self, generous with others. That's how you were. You had only one son. Not two sons, one son. You gave your only son because you were so generous. Help us, Lord. Help us to see what the kingdom of God is all about. Help us to see that this year a promise will come true. We will truly enlarge ourselves. Our heart first would be enlarged to receive all kinds of people. All kinds of people. The space in our heart for everyone. We are not looking for recognition from man. Our heart knows when the time comes, God will acknowledge me. And I am willing to wait for that time. Doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm go I'm okay. I am good. Even if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, it does not matter. Because there is a day set after this life. I am good. I'm good. I just simply have the joy of serving my king and his people. I'm called and I'm chosen, I know that, to be a servant. Whether I become a king or not is in his hands, but I know I am chosen to be a servant and a servant will I be. That's what you were. Made you use yourself of no reputation. Humbled yourself, took the form of a servant. Obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. Therefore your father exalted you, gave you a throne above every other throne. A crown above every other crown. That pattern will never change. And I pray we take it into our hearts. Meditate upon it, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. As we go into a week, go with us, Lord. We need you every step of the way. We need you. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.